Life Audio. Thank you for joining us for Sound Reasoning with Christian apologist and minister Perseus Poku of Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's program will educate, train, and empower you to defend your Christian faith with confidence. Perseus has his bachelor's in history and a master's degree in apologetics. We hope you enjoy this time of equipping so that you can answer questions to defend your Christian faith effectively. Now here's Perseus Poku on Sound Reasoning. Welcome to Sound Reasoning. I'm your host, Perseus Poku. On today's episode, we want to continue our teaching on soteriology, the study of salvation. Soteriology, the study of salvation. And after a word from our sponsors, we'll get started on the topic today. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And before we get started, um, I wanted to also uh, introduce another show called Gospel Rant by Dr. Bill Simiard. And that show uh, would edify you if you tune in as part of the Life Audio uh, radio shows. And so um, if you would tune in to Dr. Bill Simiard's show, Gospel Rant, uh, to give you a sound theological basis uh, for d- different things dealing with the Bible and how to look at it from a different perspective. Uh, he's well-trained, and he's sound. So if you would, tune in to The Gospel Rant with Dr. Bill Simiard. Now, as we get started on our topic today, the last episode, we talked about the doctrine of justification. And we did our best to unpack this doctrine of sanctification and what, uh, and I mean, justification and what it means. And today we wanted to talk about um, salvation as it relates to redemption. Salvation as it relates to redemption. And when we talk about redemption, it, it brings this idea of buying back what belongs to God. That's the idea of redemption is that uh, God is bringing or taking back what belongs to him. The redemption concept brings with it a thought of liberation from the power of sin and influence of Satan. So while we were in the world or while we were doing worldly things, Satan had influence over us. So now that we are in Christ, we're no longer under that influence. 
So that idea of liberation, of bringing back what belongs to God, is us. We are uh, God's children, and he's brought us back into the relationship that he intended for us before the fall. Then uh, there's uh, 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 some Greek words that may interest you. Uh, Lutron, Matthew 20 and 28, uh, and Elitrothetic, 1 Peter 1.18. And that conveys the idea of the ransom paid for freeing someone being held as a captive. So again, that's the uh, Greek terminologies for redemption. Lutron found in Matthew 20, 28, and Elitrothetic, 1 Peter 1.18. The ransom paid for freeing someone being held as a captive. So Jesus bought back what belongs to him, and he uh, basically uh, purchased us through the blood. He purchased us from the marketplace of sin. We were enslaved to sin. Um, and, and that idea uh, conveys or conveys this imagery of uh, they can't help us, right? Sometimes uh, people can't help but to be mean. People can't help but to be stingy. People can't help but to hate. People can't help uh, but to be promiscuous. People can't help themselves from uh, laziness. And we use this argument, well, that's just the way that I am. But in Christ, we can't use that argument anymore because we've been bought with a price. And now that we belong to Christ, now that uh, we are in him and he in us, we have to bear fruit. And we have to uh, bear fruits of righteousness. And we have power now. We have power. The same power that rose up Jesus can be found in this relationship with him. The same dunamis power that rose him up on the third day is accessible to all believers. So we can't say anymore that I can't do this. I can't stop drinking. I can't stop smoking. I can't stop swearing. I can't stop hating. I can't stop holding grudges. I can't stop um, being bitter. Yes, we can. We can do it. And and then Paul tells us in Philippians 4.13 very clearly, I can do all things through Christ who is my strength. So as we look at this idea of redemption, the Bible talks about being redeemed. Uh, Same thing as redemption. Um, When we look at it, we can learn some principles, some doctrines that can help us move to the next level and become more intimate with Jesus. Exagorazo is, is found in Galatians 3.13. That's that word, exagorazo. And it means to purchase out, to purchase or buy up the possession of anyone. That's found in Galatians 3.13. Jesus paid or purchased the cost of sin. He went to the marketplace and liberated us. That's the imagery. Jesus going to the marketplace, essentially where sin exists, and he bought us back because of his blood. What he did on the cross um, is powerful. The atonement is powerful. The atonement symbolizes what Jesus did on the cross for us, the power that came with it. 
So him predicting he was going to rise up on the third day, him rising up on the third day, and then post-resurrection, behold, all power is handed to him. He's basically conveying this idea that we have power, not of ourselves, but we have access to the same power that raised up Jesus. And thanks be to God, he bought us from the marketplace and liberated us. Then there's this Hebrew word, pada. And he sets saints of old free as the spotless sacrifice. This is a prediction found in Deuteronomy 21 and 8. Pada, P-A-D-A-H. He sets saints of old free as the spotless sacrifice. Then Psalms 34 and 22, we see a derivative of the word pada, pode, P-O-D-E-H. And its conjugated form, padita, means to buy out, to be ransomed, means to loose, to let go, and to set free. So this idea of being set free is not just a New Testament concept. It's also found in the Old Testament. Jesus set us free. Jesus loosened us. What did he set us free from? As I mentioned earlier, he set us free from the things that held us in bondage. Fear about mortality. Jesus liberated us from that. Because if you keep thinking about when I'm going to pass away and, and um, how scary that is, then you'll be paralyzed. You'll never fulfill what God has for you. He set us free from fear. Then he set us free, especially according to Colossians, he set us free from uh, a, a lot of these man-made superstitions. We're living by the horoscope, and uh, if I'm an Aries, then this is going to happen to me today. If I'm a Sagittarius, then this is going to happen to me today. And on and on. If I'm a Taurus, then uh, this is going to happen to me today. God, through Christ, liberated us from superstitions. He has liberated us from those things that have uh, made us slave, that has enslaved us through the power or the influence of Satan himself. We are liberated. Whatever cultural normatives that have held you down, you no longer need to be a slave to it. God has saved you so you can be liberated in order to look more like Jesus. All around the world, there are uh, cultural normatives that um, are holding people down. But once we become Christians, it doesn't matter what your culture is, is telling you. If whatever act that is, is contrary to God's word, we must give it up. We have the power. We have access to that power. We have been liberated. We're not beholden to anybody else but Jesus Christ. Let us take a break to recognize our sponsors, and we'll be right back. So if your culture, for an example, believes in polygamy, well, as a Christian, you have to resist against that temptation and surrender to Christ, knowing that God has given us one man for one wife. That's God's original intent. One man, uh, one woman. But if it's a polygamous environment, you have to go with Jesus, right? It's called a moral dilemma. 
do I follow what Jesus say or do I go with what man is saying? We find this um, doctrine of, I guess for lack of a better term, of allegiance. There's a doctrine of allegiance where in in book of Acts several times where the apostles were arrested and they were told to no longer teach the good news of Jesus Christ and the apostles will resist, right? They had to choose between the law or God. But whenever, whenever man's law contradicts God's law, you have to go with God's law as Christian. That's called the moral dilemma. You have to go with God's law as a Christian. And I can remember the apostles saying, should we obey God or should we obey man? And they chose to obey God. That's the doctrine of allegiance. So the pada states that Jesus bought us out. Uh, We were ransomed. He loosened us. And because of what he did, uh, Satan had to let us go because he rose up with all power and he set us free, free to live for Christ. When I was a new convert, I had to make a decision. Um, I had a, a best friend that um, we had, I had fun with for a number of years. And uh, back then, I was interested in music, and we had a group, and um, our aim was to get a record contract, and our aim was to be able to do concerts. And we did that locally, but we wanted to take it to the next step. And I was out in the world um, doing worldly things. Um, Not some of the things that you may think about, but nevertheless, my mind wasn't on Christ. And so when I accepted Christ and I started uh, living for Christ and I started taking my walk seriously, there were some things I had to let go. And one of those things were uh, those friends that I had fun with because they weren't going in the same direction. So as a babe in Christ, I needed to grow. I I needed to move from milk to meat. And for me, it wasn't uh, possible unless they were following Christ for us to keep doing the same thing. My mind was set on going to choir rehearsal at church. My mind was set on doing ministry at church. My mind was uh, fulfilling my obligation to uh, my parents and my and my family members, and so that left little room for the things I used to do before. And it's the same thing with us. God, through Christ, has bought us with a price. We now belong to Him, and because we belong to Him, we have to be about the Father's business. And when we're about the Father's business, it it leaves little room for some of the things that we want to do, but it's not good for us. So remember that, that this idea of redemption, being purchased, being bought back by God from the influences of Satan. Then there's this Hebrew word, paduth, paduth, P-E-D-U-T-H, paduth. And it conveys the idea of division, the division between those sprinkled with the blood and those that are not. You can find an example in Psalms 119, I mean 111 and 9. Psalms 111 and 9. This idea of division between those sprinkled with the blood and those that are not. And this idea goes all the way back to the uh, uh, Passover uh, uh, doctrine uh, where the Hebrews were in Egypt 
and a death angel was coming, and depending on who had the blood sprinkled on the doorpost, uh, the death angel would pass over them, the Passover doctrine uh, as found in Egypt. So in this case, it's the same thing uh, which is similar to sanctification. Sanctification means you're set apart for God to use. It's the same word or, or idea uh, that we connect with holiness. Holiness means the same thing. They're, they're synonymous. Um, they're synonyms. Sanctification, holiness means we're set apart for God to use. So our identity is that we're holy, we're sanctified because uh, we've been sprinkled with the blood uh, because we have accepted Jesus Christ, who was the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice, uh, because we are identified with him. And then uh, there's another Hebrew word, gal, G-A-A-L, conveys the idea of ransom or the idea of recover, the idea to avenge and redeem. And Jesus Christ is our avenger, the one who redeemed us. God as the avenger is the focus. Gen- uh, Genesis 14, 48 and 16 as an example, or Exodus 6 and 6 as an example. Job 19, 25 uh, as, as an example. Christ will ultimately avenge us, and he's avenging us now. Uh, we are in a spiritual warfare with Satan, and uh, Christ uh, is our avenger. Sometimes Satan acts as though he's defeated us, but we rise. We rise because of who we know and who we are connected to. Uh, we don't fall into uh, the traps. And if we do fall, we don't stay there because Jesus is our avenger. This, this idea of ransom. Uh, we don't act the same. We don't talk the same. We don't live the same. We don't dance the same. We don't shout the same. We're different now. We have been sanctified. Why? Because of this redemption doctrine. Jesus brought us back from the marketplace of sin. Then there's this idea of Jesus being the kinsman redeemer. The kinsman redeemer. And when we look at the story of Boaz and Ruth, in the story of Ruth, Boaz served as the kinsman redeemer who uh, purchased the livelihood of Ruth and redeemed her, the kinsman redeemer. And then the Bible tells us the qualifications of this redeemer. The kinsman redeemer had to be related by blood in order to redeem. John 1, 14, Hebrews 2, 14 through 18. And the kinsman redeemer had to be a male relative tasked to look after a relative in need or in trouble. Then thirdly, the kinsman redeemer, uh, it was necessary for this redeemer to have the resources to buy back the forfeited inheritance, as we find in 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19. Then lastly, it was necessary for the kinsman redeemer to also have the desire to take on the obligation. And ladies and gentlemen, Jesus fulfills all of the qualification of the kinsman redeemer. He was qualified to redeem us. He was qualified to redeem us. Uh, If we look at the qualifications again, uh, the kinsman redeemer had to be related by blood in order to redeem. In this case, the kinsman redeemer is connected to the father, and they share the same DNA. 
So as God the Son, he was qualified to redeem us. He was the male relative tasked to look after a relative in need or in trouble. And the kinsman redeemer, in Jesus' case, he is of the offspring of Adam. He's the offspring of, of, of David. And, and he's well qualified uh, to be uh, or to fulfill the criteria for the Messiah. So in that sense, he is the Messiah, and he's qualified to redeem us. And then it says it was necessary for the kinsman redeemer to have the resources to buy back the forfeited inheritance. And Jesus uh, uh, certainly uh, had the resources, uh, him being God, him being God ontologically, and him being God functionally, he was more than qualified to buy us back. And lastly, it was necessary for the kinsman redeemer to also have the desire to take on the obligation and um, uh, we, we learn from Scripture that Jesus voluntarily came to die for our sins. So, in that sense, he fulfilled uh, his obligation. Then not only are we talking about the qualification of the Redeemer, what about the function? In the book of Ruth, he serves as the guardian of the family interest. He is the caretaker of the widows of deceased relatives. He is an overseer uh, of the deceased relatives of the household. The kinsman redeemer, he avenges the murder of a relative or improper execution, according to Numbers 35, verses 9 through 34. Then he receives reimbursement for a transgression against a relative, Numbers 5 and 8. And as we read uh, Hebrews 2 and 11, Hebrews 2, 16 through 18, we realize that Jesus fulfills all the criteria of a kinsman redeemer. So in Ruth 3 and 9, it says, so he said, who are you? And she answered, I am Ruth, your slave. Now spread your garment over your slave, for you are a redeemer. Psalms 130 and 7. O Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for with the Lord is unfailing love, and with him is full redemption. Isaiah 43 and 14. Thus saith the Lord, your redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. For your sake I have sent to Babylon and have brought down all their nobles and the Chaldeans whose cry is in the ships. That's Isaiah 43 and 14. Then Isaiah 44 and 6, Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first, I am the last, and beside me there's no God. And when we learn in Revelation, Jesus is also called the Alpha and Omega. Thus saith the Lord, thy Redeemer, and he that formed thee from the womb, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. Isaiah 44 and 24. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel, and his Holy One to, to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to a servant of rulers. Kings shall see and arise. Princes shall also worship because of the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel. And he choose, he shall choose thee, Isaiah 49 and 7. Again, all of these scriptures buttress this concept of Jesus being a kinsman redeemer. We have been redeemed. We have been purchased from the marketplace of sin. We have been liberated because of what Jesus did on the cross where we're no longer entangled or um, no longer dominated by the power of sin. Exodus 6 and 6 says, Wherefore say it unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. 
I will rid you out of their bondage, and I will redeem you with a stretched arm and with great judgments. And then finally, in Romans 3.24, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So all of these scriptures are to remind us that Jesus has redeemed us. He's brought us from the marketplace of sin. So whatever you're going through, if you're listening to us, if whatever you're going through, Christ gave us access to all power. You just need to tap into it. How do I tap into it? Pray. How do I tap into the power that Jesus has, has given us? Uh, actualize or put in place the things he said in scripture. If you're holding a grudge, let it go. If you're scared, trust in Jesus. So the things we're reading in scripture, instead of just reading it, we have to believe it and put it into operation through faith. And once we do that, you'll see the uh, power that or the influence uh, that's negatively influencing you because of Satan will start dissipating. You start building up more confidence because you realize you have been redeemed. I hope this episode blessed your soul. We thank you for your prayers. And as always, please consider supporting this uh, Sound Reasoning radio show as we attempt to equip saints to better understand God's word and defend the gospel. Do for the truth what so many people do for a lie. God bless. Thanks for listening to Sound Reasoning with apologist and minister Perseus Poku from Sound Reasoning Ministries. It's our prayer that today's lesson has equipped you to share and defend your Christian faith with boldness. Sound Reasoning Ministries offers training in apologetics, biblical studies, and systematic theology. Join in on discussions on Facebook at Sound Reasoning Ministries. For more information about the ministry, to send an email, ask a question, or support the ministry, visit online at srministries.org. That's srministries.org. Listen again next week at this same time. And remember, Titus 1.9 says, Hold firm to the trustworthy messages has been taught so that you can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Sound Reasoning Ministries, srministries.org. And as always, we would like to thank our friends at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this broadcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of... The content we feed our minds will eventually show up in our lives. If we feed our minds the lies and confusion of this world, our lives will begin to reflect worldliness. But if we feed our minds the truth of the gospel, our lives will start to reflect the heart and character of Jesus. I'm John Stonge, and each week I host the Dwell on These Things podcast, where we take a deep look at the Word of God and learn what it means to apply it to our lives. We don't skip difficult passages, and we don't gloss over the truth. If you're looking for a show that will put your mind in a better place and help you understand God's Word with more clarity, you can listen to the Dwell on These Things podcast at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.